and welcome to A Little Spooky. This is the show where we talk about things that spook us just a little bit, like cryptids, conspiracies, UFOs, aliens, urban legends, or when you take a secret dump at your friend's house and when you flush the toilet, the water starts rising instead of going down. My name's Colleen. A tale as old as time. <laughs> My name is Everett. True as it can be. <laughs> um... I have to say, I've never actually had that specific thing happen to me, though. At a friend's house, I should say. No, I'm pretty good about taking um, pre-hangout dumps at my own house. Uh, I don't like pooping at friends' houses. (laughs) Stranger's house? Fine. Somebody who knows me? Too much. For some reason, I think this is a little too personal. For some reason. (laughs) like Is that something you really want to share with the masses? Your dump schedules? I'm not sharing my dump schedule. I'm sharing my dump preferences. Everybody's got them. Are you familiar with the term dumping in relation to like Twitch? No. Chats. But I tend to avoid. It seems like something maybe I don't want to know. All it is is like someone who goes into the chat that's not the streamer and just like dumps a bad thing that happened to them recently and (laughs) so i feel like you're dumping about dumping yeah that sounds like me at a work meeting (laughs) (laughs) okay anyways what are we talking about today i don't even want to say it i'm just gonna get right into it what Mm -hmm. well i mean they've already read the title of this yeah so they already know you already know too i'm not fooling anyone this time (laughs) we're talking about mothman yes but i will get right into it right now So, on November 15th, 1966, two young couples from Point Pleasant, West Virginia, were hanging out. Mm -hmm. Roger and Linda Scarberry and Steve and Mary Mallett were out and about looking for some more friends to hang out with them. And it was about 1130 that night. And since it was so late, they were having trouble finding other people to join them. Roger Scarberry was driving them around in his 57 Chevy when they were passing through a former World War II munitions factory, which now among the town was known as the TNT area. Okay. Here, they noticed something very strange. They described it as a large man with wings folded against its back, and when the car headlights hit the figure, they noticed its glowing red eyes and dark gray color. The eyes were about two inches in diameter and six inches apart, and they were hypnotic. They could not break their gaze and stared at the eyes for a full minute. And then the thing started to move towards an open door at the plant, which is where they were. Okay, and this is an abandoned building? It's it's, uh, not in use, I should say, yes. Okay, okay. So this creature goes towards one of the open doors of this area, and as soon as it starts to do that, they speed off. And as they're driving away from the creature, it shot straight up into the air and followed them. What? Roger reported going at least 100 miles per hour, but the flying man kept up with them in the air the entire time, never even flapping its wings. Mary Mallet reported that even though they could not hear its wings flapping, they could hear it making squeaks like a giant mouse or a bat. Gross. It followed the car until they got to the city limits of Point Pleasant, where it disappeared. Okay, okay. So they were entranced by its eyes? Like, they physically could not move? They were hypnotized? Yes. 
it breaks its gaze. It wasn't very specific in this uh, report or whatever. Well, I you imagine want to call if it. it's turning to go into a building, they broke it. Yeah, the, it wasn't specific if it broke the gaze first or if they were able to shake off the okay the moment or whatever you want to call it. But it was about a minute they estimated, and it just shoots into the air. So why would it head towards the door if it's just going to follow them? I think it's it started following them after they were trying to get away really fast. It might have spooked it a little bit. And it didn't flap its wings at all. How could it possibly have gone a hundred miles an hour? Mm-hmm. Did it have like a motor? Yeah. Don't know. It's crazy. We're gonna we're gonna talk okay. about theories. Here's what, we pic- will. here's what I'm picturing. Is this a spoiler if I talk about Midnight Mass, the Netflix show? Possibly. All right, never Skip, mind. You can do it. Skip ahead 30 seconds if you don't want any spoilers. Yeah, I'm pi- if you've seen that show, you'll know what I'm talking about. I'm picturing the vampire angel thing flying away with its like bat wing humanoid demonic is it kind of demony looking what are we possibly yes it's just all i'm picturing is man with wing that's all we know so far okay all right there's gonna be plenty of other sightings don't you worry all right okay not worried a little worried so this story is definitely one of the most notable sightings of the mothman of point pleasant but it is only one of at least over a hundred separate sightings between 1966 and 1967. Jeez. When it comes to American folk creatures, cryptids, aliens, or whatever you want to call Mothman, this is unquestionably my personal favorite story. You know, it started off very Beast of Bray Road, which is another one of your personal favorite stories. No, I just did an episode on it. But this Mothman is my favorite. And there's, there's a lot going on with Mothman. I mean, Mothman is very intriguing. Is he an alien? Is he an animal? Is he like a humanoid? What is he? We'll talk about it. You're getting ahead of me, Colleen. So the sightings of Mothman that occurred over the course of a bit over a year are fascinating because not only are there so many separate and corroborated sightings, but also because many respected members of this community believed in its existence. This story is not only massively popular decades later, but it was also newsbreaking at the time. After the first few sightings were reported to police and covered on local news, people from across the country and even across the world traveled to this little town that most of them have never heard of. Interesting that it was taken seriously so quickly. Well, maybe not taken seriously, but... But it got got around. Yeah, like people were interested in it and it wasn't just brushed off as, you know... There's there's other stuff happening in the area besides Mothman, which we will talk about a little bit, too. So I think that also adds to the the allure of West Virginia. Mm -hmm. Just to kind of preface before we continue, most of the information that we're going to be talking about comes from the book The Mothman Prophecies by John Keel, which was later adapted into a movie released in 2002 starring Richard Gere. Now, while writing this episode, I did rewatch the movie. Colleen knows this. I saw the first, like, seven minutes before going to bed. Yes. (laughs) I haven't seen this movie since I was, like, a teenager, so it's been quite a long time. And I do have to say, it's a very bizarre movie. It's not good. It's It's Richard Gere and Deborah Messing. Deborah Messing is, like, only in the first seven minutes, which is what you saw. Okay, well, I, you know, that might as well have been the whole movie to me at this point. So, <laughs> and I, I'm just going to briefly go over it because I want to point out why it's so different from the actual Mothman story. 
because I'm sure a lot of people have seen the Mothman Prophecies, the movie. And I'm sorry, you said this was adapted from a book you read. Yes. So does it follow the book at all? You're like taking the words out of my mouth in my next sentence here. Okay. I have written down. So, like I said, it's a bizarre movie. It's loosely based on the events of Point Pleasant, but the main protagonist of the film is John Keel himself. Oh. But the name of the character in the movie is slightly changed to John Klein. John Keel researched and wrote the novel about the events in Point Pleasant, but he was certainly not the central character in the events that happened in Point Pleasant regarding Mothman, but he was there for portions of it. So, I'm sorry, I misunderstood you originally. You are basing this off of a novel? Not no, 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 it's not. A, I mean, I call it a novel because it's written like a novel, but it is a researched, like, okay. book with interviews with people in okay, Point Pleasant. Okay, so and, when you say and novel... John Keel was there himself, too, for many parts of the story. Okay. Okay, when you say novel, I'm picturing a fictional... No, it's... I mean, I guess you could say it's fictional if you don't believe in Mothman. Yes, okay. Nope, I got you. So it's like a documentary-style book. It's Uh, a novel, but it's supposedly factual. Okay, (laughs) okay, okay, okay. I'm sorry for interrupting. So John Keel researched and wrote the book about the events, but he was, like I said, not the central character of the Mothman sightings. So unlike the movie where he definitely is the main figure in the story, that makes sense for a movie. You Mm -hmm. need to be able to follow someone, especially if you have Richard Gere as your front man. Hell yeah. Yes, but Mothman is the antagonist of the film. And you could argue in the real events of Point Pleasant, he's there. Mothman is there, but he's not necessarily a bad guy. But there are bad guys. Okay. He's not necessarily... We'll we'll talk about that later, too. I just want to point that out. Okay. Um, But he is the antagonist in the film. But Mothman may or may not have also been Indrid Cold, who is the alien entity that was encountered by Woodrow Derenberger, also in West Virginia in 1966. Basically, what I'm saying is, in the movie, for the sake of the movie, they combined the stories of Mothman and the Smiling Man... And basically made Mothman an alien whose true identity was Indrid Cold. And he would communicate with the people of Point Pleasant. Well, now, if you've been listening to us for any extended period of time and you listened to our Smiling Man Indrid Cold episode, you would know that they are, as far as we know, entirely unrelated. At least as far as Woodrow Derenberger is concerned. They are entirely unrelated except for the fact that they happened very yes. close by at the same time at the same time <laughs> yes yes there's there i have been many bizarre things happening at that time period in that area and there's got to be a reason for it yes so so like i said because of the stories of the smiling man and mothman were basically merged together for the sake of the movie the movie did come across as extremely confusing for me sure um well, that's cuz you know too much about each of them Right, and that's very true, too. But because of this also, it did lose John Keel's theory of the true nature of Mothman, Mm -hmm. which we are going to be talking about near the end of the episode. But I just want to point out that they basically said Mothman's an alien in the movie. And you could believe that potentially, too, even after reading through John Keel's book. 
But I don't necessarily agree with so that. So what you're saying is they took the name of John Keel's book. They took the idea of Mothman. They threw Richard Gere in there and they wrote their own story. Possibly. <laughs> okay. But I don't know, though, because when I read through this book, Keel does talk a lot about injured cold also. But he never says that they're the same thing. Why bring him up at all? Because it's happening at the same time and it's central to his theory. Okay. And that won't make any sense to me until you tell yes. me what his theory is. So let's move is. on. Okay. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about Point Pleasant, too, because that's kind of important to know for the story. So the current population is roughly 4,000 people. And in 1967, the population was at its peak with about 6,000 people. This is a very blue-collar town and sits at the confluence of the Kanawha and Ohio Rivers on the western border of West Virginia, near Ohio and Kentucky. West Virginia is definitely no stranger to oddities in general. So we talked about a few already. The Smiling Man, also known as Injured Cold, was also encountered in 1966, but the area also has a prolific history of UFO sightings, and it was also home to the Flatwoods Monster of 1952 okay. and the Sheep Squatch of the 1990s. Oh, what? So the question is, what is going on in West Virginia? Oh, wait, you're just going to leave that there? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> What's going on here? Do the locals just like to tell monster stories, or is there something we don't really understand happening? And West Virginia is a focal point for some reason. I'm sorry, Can you missed one. Hmm. There's the Flatwoods Monster. Yeah. There's Mothman. Yeah. There's Injured Cold. Yeah. There's also Veggie Man. I did miss Veggie Man. <laughs> I just, I feel like Veggie Man is a very um, underrated cryptid that people should look into. Almost forgot entirely. <laughs> He's very interesting. So, according to Keel, the actual first sighting of Mothman was on November 1st of 1966, which was about two weeks before the encounter we already talked about with the car in the TNT area. So in the book, a National Guardsman was at work at the National Guard Armory at the edge of Point Pleasant. He was looking around the fences nearby and saw a figure perched on a limb of a tree beyond the fence. At first, he thought it was a man in a brown suit, but after looking at it for a while, he determined that it was a very large bird the size of a man. He went to bring some others at the armory to take a look at it, but when they all returned, it was gone. Okay. So since the first sighting is kind of hard to corroborate since only that man saw it, mm -hmm. it's often overlooked. The first official sighting of Mothman was on November 12th, which is three days before the Scarberry incident at the sure. PNT area. Okay. And when you say official... You mean like reported to the police? Correct. Okay. Yes. But with like actual multiple witnesses. Okay. So in this sighting, five men were prepping a burial site in a cemetery and they saw a brown winged humanoid creature lift off straight up into the air from a tree. They all were adamant that it was no bird and it had human-like legs and it was the overall size of a human. Okay. So that in their mind rules out a large bird like a crane or mm -hmm. a large eagle or something. Right, because people and birds look very different. It's winged, though. <laughs> it's winged, right? So obviously yes. your first thought is it's a bird. Yes, of course. So following this sighting and the encounter by the two young couples on November 15th, 
this aroused Point Pleasant into an excited frenzy. There was obviously not a whole lot to do in Point Pleasant, so many people welcomed the Birdman creature thing as a fun distraction. Yeah. So on November 16th, there was a long line of cars that was patrolling the TNT area. This was literally just people out and about oh, at dusk, this just is... driving around this area of a former factory that created ammo and bombs for World War II. Oh my god, This is this like in the 50s where people would like just drive up and down a street on dates? You know, there'd just be like the the main drag people would just drive up and down? It, it pretty except much for, is, except this is cryptid, the 60s. Cryptid and related and a decade later. God, yes. the 60s were weird. But also, I mean, what else is there to do? I've been to those small towns. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I mean, obviously, no internet. Televisions aren't as common either. If we had been dating in Point Pleasant, West Virginia in the 60s in high school, you would 1,000% have dragged me there. to like. You probably would have been into it, honestly. I mean, well, yeah, but I would have pretended not to be. So I have to seem <laughs> aloof and interesting. Okay, so they're, <laughs> so they're patrolling the TNT area. So there's this long line of cars, but there's also a bunch of people on foot who had guns on hand and were poking around bushes and other potential hiding spots looking for this thing. So obviously it's not going to come out on that night. Mm. Oh, the look you gave me just proved me wrong. So they were looking to the skies and through the trees looking for any sign of life. Marcella Bennett was in a car with her child and two friends, Mr. and Mrs. Wamsley, and they were only passing through the area to visit another friend. Okay. This car was possibly the only group in the immediate area that was not seeking out the creature. They were literally just trying to drive through. <laughs> of course. Okay. So the group got to their destination when Mrs. Bennett saw a figure rise from behind a parked car. And this is an actual quote. It seemed as if it had been lying down. It rose up slowly from the ground. A big gray thing. Bigger than a man with terrible glowing red eyes. Okay. So she was so startled that she actually dropped her baby. <gasps> and the red eyes were so hypnotizing that she could not move to pick up the baby again. What? That poor cold little baby. The eyes were reportedly at the top of the body, which lacked a neck or head. Oh. After a moment, the creature unfolded its wings slowly which caused the group to kind of break out of the trance, and they rushed into the house of their friend, Mr. Thomas. They heard the creature walk up the porch and saw the two glowing red eyes look through the window. <laughs> Mr. Wamsley called the police while the rest of the group was in absolute hysterics. And by the time the police arrived, the creature had left, and less than a mile away, the large group of people at the TNT area would have no idea that the creature had been sighted and would only find out the next day when they read the paper. Okay, that's horrifying. I mean, on the surface, you're like, okay, giant mothman. But, like, you're trapped in a house, and it's not It's not just, like, a fleeting glimpse of you driving past it. It's like trying yeah. to look in your house like it yeah, is. Yeah, this one was a, up close and personal, and there was definitely no so, doubt. That's why they were able to get a good look and figure out it had no head. But so now I'm I'm a little confused as to why it wasn't a more detailed description because all we got was like it doesn't have a head but it has eyes so it's just like a big old body blob with legs and wings. So so there there is a pretty good description. I'm just kind of summarizing it because there's a bunch of sightings. Okay. So there is a pretty detailed description. It's about 
between six and a half and seven feet tall, at least in this sighting. This is what they reported. Sure. Um, Wingspan of about 10 feet. That's pretty consistent throughout most of these sightings is the wingspan. Well, man-sized with a 10-foot wingspan. Larger than a man in this case, because very tall, even without the head, very tall. Sure, yeah, but I mean six and a half feet tall, tall man, but still man-sized. Still lacking the head, though. Yes, valid point. Let's move on. Okay. On the morning of November 17th at about 4.45 a.m., Music teacher Mrs. Gross was woken up by her dog's barking. She lived on the opposite side of the Ohio River from across the TNT area. So this was actually in Ohio, mm-hmm. not in West Virginia. Her dogs would never bark this early. So she got out of bed to investigate. Okay. And out of the kitchen window, she saw a large object hovering in a field roughly 30 feet high. It was circular and glowed red and green, and it made a zigzagging motion and then disappeared. It's like a UFO. Or an orb. Or an orb. Sure. Don't know. But it wasn't Mothman as we know it. No, it was not Mothman. Later that same afternoon, near the home of Mrs. Gross, a 17-year-old boy was driving down Route 7 when a large winged creature dove at his car and chased him for about a mile. So that one's Mothman. (laughs) Jeez. Okay. The following day on the 18th, Two Point Pleasant firemen were in the TNT area where they encountered a giant bird with red eyes. Their names were Paul Yoder and Benjamin Enox, and they stated it was definitely a bird, but it was huge. We've never seen anything like it. So those two firemen are one of the few that are kind of against the grain. They don't think it's like a creature. They think it's just a big ass bird that has red eyes also. Okay, they're convinced it is a normal bird that they have never come across. They're not thinking it's like some bird cryptid that nobody else has ever seen. Well, most other people are thinking it's like either a human, a flying human creature Mm -hmm. or some kind of like bat thing. Right. Right. But these are the only ones that are adamant it's a bird. Okay. All right. I mean, I think that I would convince myself of that as well. There's an explanation for it. It's a bird. Yeah, well, that's what they think. So after these sightings, neighboring counties started reporting the creature. News spread and people hundreds of miles away began to travel to Point Pleasant to spend the night in the TNT area hoping to see the creature. More and more people in the area encountered the creature and those who got a close look at it agreed on a few points. It was gray, featherless, as large or larger than a human man with a wingspan of about 10 feet. They also agreed that if it were to take off, because it didn't always take off in every sighting, Mm -hmm. if it takes off, it flies straight up like a helicopter and doesn't flap its wings. See, that's weird. How is it getting lift? Don't know. Powerful ass legs, I guess. Yeah, but then... I mean, the wing. Okay, sure. Physics is not my thing. So, <laughs> so another agreed upon point is that it has two glowing red eyes, but no one was able to describe its face if it had one. And in some encounters, like we already talked about, the eyes just sat at the top of the torso with no head at all. So reports began to trickle in that those who encountered the creature, I'm still calling it the creature right now. Sure. Desperately wanted to never see it again. Because the, these witnesses said that the creature evoked unspeakable terror. 
and as newspapers were writing about the creature, a name for it was soon found. Because around this time, the Batman TV series was extremely popular, and one of the recent featured villains in the comic series, not the TV series, mm -hmm. but the comics, was the Killer Moth. And it's believed that the inspiration for what we know as the Mothman was the Killer Moth. Okay. So it's just really nerdy. Yeah, I was hoping... Because it's not Moth-like at all. I'm... Like Mothman, other than it has wings. Yeah. Well, okay, see, the thing is, depictions of Mothman now, like artistic depictions, they play at the moth. Yeah. Joseph made our cover art for a little spooky. Yeah. Riding on Nessie's back, and I think there's a few little fuzzy little... Yeah, he's got little like fuzzy moth, moth antennas. But, like, so I'm just picturing now a torso with arms and legs and wings. Yes. Wait, does it have arms? See, that, that I was wondering that, too. And sometimes it... See, it's kind of like the dragon argument, too. Because it's like a, a wyvern doesn't have forearms and it just has the wings. So in some of these sightings, it just has the wings. But in others, it has two arms and wings. So now when you say it's just got red eyes on top of the torso, are we talking like like where the nippies would be or are we talking <laughs> like like frog frog it's, eyes it's, on top yeah, of the it's, it's more like frog eyes, I think. Not like nipples. Oh man. Tantalizing okay. hypnotic nipples. <laughs> yeah, just the <laughs> hypno nipples. So we kind of alluded to this already, but Mothman was not the only unexplainable encounter at the time. Across the country in late 1966, starting around Halloween, there was a large influx of UFO sightings. At first, this seems to be kind of unrelated to Mothman, but some of the citizens of Point Pleasant had additional strange encounters after seeing Mothman. About a week after Roger and Linda Scarberry had seen Mothman in the TNT area in their 57 Chevy, they were bombarded with strange sounds in their trailer late at night. They said they could hear very loud beeps and garbled noises that sounded like a sped-up record, and they could not find the source of the sounds inside or outside of their trailer, and whenever these sounds and noises were uh, going off, they were petrified with terror. They couldn't do anything about it, so they couldn't find out where it's coming from, and it's extremely loud. Yeah. After this continued over the course of several nights with no signs of stopping, they decided to call it quits. They moved out of their trailer and into the basement of Linda's parents. What is going on in the United States in the 50s through the 70s? You know, we got like Mothman. There's Injured Cold. There's Valiant Thor. There's UFO sightings. There's Roswell. Like, what? I mean, we there's the idea that Lyndon Johnson, you know, signed documents. No, Eisenhower. Eisenhower. Sorry. Signed documents. I know my alternate history. Yeah. It's just why, like, Freedom of Information Act, that shit. The, the thing is, there might not be information about, at least with Mothman, this story. Sure. No. Because, as, as we'll continue through the story, there's not really a whole lot of involvement other than the community and people sure. who are visiting. Right. Right, right, right. So the Scarberries were not the only one to hear those weird sounds. Others reported receiving phone calls that would have mechanical-sounding creaks, beeps, and grinding. In some cases, the pestering phone calls escalated to actual meetings with strange men. So in 1967, two strangers entered the office of Mary Heyer, an employee for the local paper The Messenger. She said that both men were short, wore black coats, and had very dark complexions. 
and this is a quote from them. This is what they said. Mm -hmm. We hear there's been a lot of flying saucer activity around here. And Mary responded, we have had quite a few sightings around here. She handed them a folder with reports on UFO sightings in the past few years, as well as the Mothman sightings. And one of the men opened the folder, took a quick look at the contents, and said, Has anyone told you not to publish these reports? And Mary shook her head, and then the man said again, What would you do if someone did order you to stop writing about flying saucers? And Mary responded, I'd tell them to go to hell. Mary went back to her work, and when she looked back up at the men, they had disappeared. Men in black. Men in black. Later that day, another stranger arrived into Mary's office. This man was slightly taller and darker than the previous men. He claimed to be a UFO researcher named Jack Brown, and he asked the same question. What would you do if someone did order you to stop writing about flying saucers? So Mary Heyer was not the only one to have encounters with the men in black in Point Pleasant. As we've discussed in previous episodes with a bunch of different stories, the Men in Black serve as basically damage control in areas related to alien activity. So this implies that Mothman could be an alien from another world, and I have to admit, that's what I thought for a long time, too. I mean, that's kind of the vibe I've always gotten. However, John Keel has a different theory, and it's definitely a lot different from traditional theories. So I'm going to read an actual quick passage from the book because okay. it kind of sums up his thoughts on it. Okay. My long and very expensive excursions into the borderland where the real and unreal merge have failed to produce any evidence of any kind to support the idea that we are entertaining shy strangers from some other galaxy. Rather, I have come to realize that we have been observing complex forces which have always been an essential part of our immediate environment. Instead of thinking in terms of extraterrestrials, I have adopted the concept of ultra-terrestrials. Beings and forces which coexist with us but are on another time frame. That is, they operate outside the limits of our our space-time continuum, yet have the ability to cross over into our reality. This other world is not a place, however, as Mars or Andromeda are places, but it's a state of energy. And then this is a passage a little bit later on. The flying saucer or extraterrestrial visitants are not real in the sense that a 747 airliner is real. They are transmogrifications of energy under the control of some unknown extra-dimensional intelligence. This intelligence controls important events by by manipulating specific human beings through the phenomenon of mystical illumination. Our religions are based upon our long-time awareness of this intelligence and our struggle to reduce it to humanly acceptable terms. So, what this means... Okay, yes, please. Please translate. The idea here is that anything that cannot be explained, whether it's Mothman, aliens, ghosts, spirits, gods, or any other mystery throughout human mystery, or throughout human history, can be attributed to these so-called ultra-terrestrials, which is the term that Keel uses to describe entities from higher dimensions. Okay. So, Keel, among other theorists, believe that humans either perceive these entities differently, or they present themselves to us differently. This is why some people may hear an unexplained sound and cannot find the source, 
while other people believe in ghosts, UFOs, what have you, after their own personal encounters. If this theory of higher dimensional beings is accurate, then we are to assume that the men in black are agents from another dimension and they came to Point Pleasant in an attempt to suppress the truth. So instead of being from another solar system or another galaxy, they're agents of the fourth or higher dimension, basically trying to prevent us from knowing the truth or confusing ourselves when we find out the truth. Okay, my first thought there is what difference does it make? Whether they are from, I mean, like a higher dimension might as well be another planet. Do you know what I mean? And like in terms of our understanding of it, what difference does it really make? That's that's a good point. But the difference that it makes is because it makes a lot more sense specifically with the Mothman story. In what way? This is why. Okay. One thing that we have not yet talked about that is extremely important for the Mothman story is the supposed purpose of encounters with Mothman. So Mothman sightings are attributed to be a warning of an imminent disaster. Those that believe this do not necessarily agree if Mothman is the cause of future misery or if it's showing itself to humans to warn them. Okay. So because it could potentially be a fourth dimensional or higher dimensional being, it would have greater understanding of our universe because it's easier to examine for us a 2D plane Mm -hmm. and all of its contents. So possibly a fourth dimensional or higher dimensional being would be aware of possible tragedies that were about to occur Mm -hmm. in the future and come to warn us. Now, the question with Mothman is, what about all of the sightings that did not like foreshadow a doomsday event? You're like, you know, a, a tragedy. Do you know what in, I mean? In Point Pleasant or yeah. in general? In general. Why would it show itself? Why would it just be hanging out around a TNT area? Mm. Well, the idea here is that Mothman would regularly, regularly appear in Point Pleasant for a little bit over a year from the end of 66 to the end of 67 because there is a tragedy that happens at the end of 67. So the reason that Mothman is thought to be prophetic is due to the horrible event that occurred in Point Pleasant in December of 67. Mothman sightings began at the end of 66, like I said, continued all through 67 up until just about a week and a half before Christmas. As traffic was heavier than usual around Christmas, many were driving in their cars to shop, visit families, or just commute. The silver bridge over the Ohio River connected Point Pleasant to neighboring Gallipolis, Ohio, and under the weight of the higher-than-usual rush-hour traffic, the bridge actually did collapse. Many were injured, and 46 people were confirmed deceased after the tragedy, and two victims were never found. The official cause of the collapse was confirmed to be a small crack in a single eye bar of the suspension chain, and due to poor maintenance of the bridge and more weight being held than it was designed to, it caused the suspension to fail and the bridge to collapse. Okay. So in the aftermath of the tragedy, it was noticed that Mothman sightings had completely stopped in Point Pleasant, causing many to believe that Mothman may have either caused the collapse or had been trying to warn citizens of the upcoming tragedy. Now, if it was trying to warn people, 
Mm -hmm. Um, It did a shit job because nobody knew what its purpose was. And it had a whole year to figure that shit out. And I mean, if if the idea is that they have a better understanding of our universe, um, like, figure that shit out. But at the same time, okay, why that disaster? Why didn't he show up before Pearl Harbor? Why didn't we see him before 9-11? Why isn't that showing Colleen, up at the I-35 Colleen, bridge class? Colleen, <laughs> Colleen, you are getting way too ahead here. Mothman was sighted at all of those places. No, well, ex- except Pearl Harbor, not Pearl Harbor. He was at the I-35 bridge class? Okay, so, now well, I... Let's stop. You're getting <laughs> okay. way too ahead. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're just bringing up all these questions. I had a perfectly constructed outline. And okay. you're just... Hip hop and crisscrossing all over it. It's just there's questions that I would like answered. This is the end of the story of Mothman in Point Pleasant, but Mothman sightings have continued across the world over many decades following. Russian ufologists or ufologists claim that there is a series of Mothman encounters before the Russian apartment bombings in 1999. There were also reportedly sightings of a large crane-like bird near the Twin Towers only five days before 9-11. So many think that is Mothman. Okay. In 2007, Mothman was seen near the I-35W bridge in Minneapolis <laughs> about a month before its collapse on August 1st. I just think it's funny that I brought up all of the ones that you just had listed. Yes. <laughs> And starting in 2011 and continuing until as recently as only a few months ago, Mothman has been continually sighted flying near Chicago O'Hare International Airport. Now, there has not been a significant tragedy in Chicago recently, but if there ever is one, there is no doubt people will claim Mothman was attempting to warn people of the disaster. Now, again... He did absolutely nothing to warn or prevent people of these tragedies because people like you could see him, but you'd have no idea what the nature of the future tragedy would be. So I guess that kind of either points to him causing these things or um, just being shit at his job. Or maybe it's not a job because apparently the men in black are trying to suppress him. True. Maybe he just enjoys watching terror. You know what I mean? Like, he just shows up. He's not trying to warn anyone. He's just like, I don't want to miss it, and so I'm going to show up in the general time frame. I do want to say this, too, but there is a lot more to the Point Pleasant story of Mothman, especially regarding John Keel. He had a few personal encounters, uh, and he was hanging out a lot with Mary Heyer as well. I mean, it's not super relevant to the overall story of Mothman, but if you're interested in Mothman... It is a very interesting read because there's like a lot of weird stuff that happens to Keel, too. But I feel like, you know, he could have embellished a lot of it, too. So that's why I kind of left those portions out. Yeah, if you're trying to sell a book and you said it was kind of novelized. I mean, it's just written in chapters, so it's a novel. I mean, it's still... You and I have very different definitions of what a novel is. (laughs) That's true. anyways. So, while some people do believe Mothman is far-fetched, the legend lives on in Point Pleasant. Tourism has been an integral part of the local economy in recent decades, with the Mothman Museum regularly receiving visitors from across the country. The city has even displayed a statue of Mothman, which was first unveiled on September 13th of 2003, and John Keel himself was present as a guest of honor. 
There is now also an annual Mothman Festival, which takes place every September with roughly 15,000 people in attendance each year. See, so that's bizarre to me. The The legend of Mothman lives on, even though he's currently hanging out at Chicago O'Hare International Airport. Yeah, having a Mothman Festival is like having a... Like a Can't Wait to Die Festival. Yeah, or like, you know, a faulty bridge design festival. Like, it's a tragedy, but you're... It's weird. It, it, it did end in the tragedy, yes, but I think it was so part of everyone's lives for that full year. Yeah. Because that was all that anyone was doing was looking for Mothman. And people were encountering Mothman, and there was, like, respected members of the community that yes. were encountering well, him. I think part of the reason this one's fascinating is because people are still seeing it today. And that's, I mean, a lot of cryptids people are still seeing today, but I guess Mothman... For one that's so well known, people tend to like debunk it, or I feel like they're making up stories if they're they're claiming to have sightings. But there's so many Mothman sightings. Yeah. Now, I mean, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I have almost brought some Mothman stories to read at the end of several episodes, but I was kind of holding off. I'm like, ah. Eh. I'm just going to talk about Mothman in an actual episode someday. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Mothman is sighted all the time still, uh, not just in Chicago, but just uh, especially around airports, though. Usually around airports. Well, airports are, if there's going to be a disaster that happens, it's going to be an airport or like a plane. You no. know what I mean? Because it doesn't happen often. Like you hear about plane crashes because they don't happen that often. And usually they're moderately tragic. Yeah. So... If you're going to see Mothman, that's a good place to see. <laughs> One question you kept bringing up, and I was kind of holding off on answering it, you kept asking, how does it just lift off without flapping its wings? Yeah. I think it is because it's an ultra-dimensional being, so it doesn't necessarily need to flap its wings for lift. It can just kind of go wherever it wants to. Yeah, I mean, and I'm wondering if it like chooses this form, or if that's just what it actually looks like. Is you know the, what I mean? Can it, can can an ultra dimensional being choose how to present itself? Good question. I don't know. And I I mean, if it does, did it choose the form of Mothman to invoke terror, or is the terror that it caused people to feel just a side effect of witnessing something that's not of our dimension? Nobody has ever mentioned the fact that it could be a demon, a ghost, um, the, some other paranormal entity. The the movie. Mothman Prophecies, the actual movie, kind of hints at it being a demon, too. But then it kind of hits hard with the alien thing near the end. But, like, it kind of makes Mothman seem more like he has ill intent the whole time. So it does feel a little demonic. Um, to me, it just seems like a watcher. You know what I mean? Yeah. But He's like just he, there spectating. There's no way that it could have been around for this long and been around so many disasters purposely and not have like if its intent was to warn people there's no way it couldn't have found a way to actually warn people maybe warning people is just what people what? have come to know because that's there just to watch tragedy and if you see mothman it's because you know there is an upcoming tragedy right so it's not necessarily that he's warning people it's just that he happens to be around at times of tragedy because that's like his jam yeah it's his entertainment there's no fourth dimensional <laughs> netflix there's no shutter 
<laughs> Shudder. Um, not sponsored by Shudder. Not sp- no sponsor. No um, sponsor. But yeah, that, that's it for Mothman. Um, I, I, I mean, like I said, I did skip a lot, but Mothman, the story is there's so much more than just a Bigfoot going through the woods yes. or the Loch Ness monster in the bottom of the lake. Yeah. Like there's like weird mystery and intrigue with this story. And that's why I love it so much. Yeah. And- well, and it's not necessarily clear what it is because Bigfoot, you're like Bigfoot monster. Well, unless you're going to get into the fucking Bigfoot as an alien thing, let's. Hey, it, but okay. That, but that, the, the thing is, we talked about that too in um, that series where we talked about Bigfoot being an alien it's because Keel's theory kind of works with everything. Everything is that cannot be explained, especially like ghosts and stuff, too, because it doesn't really make sense. Even if you believe in ghosts from a spiritual or religious perspective, how do souls work? Where do they go? Do they go to a place or is heaven and hell just another dimension? Right, right. I just to bring it back to like I aliens versus ultra dimensional beings i don't necessarily see a difference in terms of the mystery here no there's no difference in the mystery but there is a difference in practicality yes because how on earth could an alien from another galaxy possibly travel right to us right right yes it's it's odd to me because like take Stardust Ranch, mm-hmm. he he was seeing like Roman centurions and old West cowboys like wandering around his property and the Michelin Man. There's there's no purpose to that, and his uh, Keel's theory made it seem like there was intention from these ultra dimensional beings. There was definitely intention with the Men in Black. Because their whole goal is to basically get people to mind their own business and stop talking about UFOs. And technically, in this case, Mothman is a UFO. So that's why. <laughs> I guess, yeah, good point. Right. So that's why they were there. Purpose. But um, Mothman's intent is unknown. Yeah. Right? What a bizarre story. I would definitely advise people, if you're into it, to read the book. It's very good. Um, also, I wish there was an actual good movie about Mothman. <laughs> Someday be- there will be. Maybe. I don't know. There's got. It's such a great It is premise. a great story. It, I mean, you don't even have to make it a story about Point Pleasant. You could just do your own story with Mothman. Yeah, do that. We got any but make it producers, good. directors, <laughs> make it good. screenwriters? Yeah, make it good. Don't put Chris Pratt in it. Yeah, leave fucking Chris <laughs> Pratt out of Mothman. Okay, well, that's the story. And normally we would do a... You know, either a listener story or a news story, but we actually have an announcement to make. And Colleen, why don't you make the announcement <laughs> since I did this whole episode? Well, it is bad news. We are going to have to go on a bit of an extended break for our own sanity. Maintaining this for a week on a weekly basis has been a lot. We don't talk about this in any episodes, but like we do both work full time and have two children. Yeah, I mean, I think it was pretty obvious that we work full-time as well. But, yeah, we've never brought that up. We actually have a two-year-old and a four-year-old. Yeah. They're very time-consuming, obviously, and we want to be able to focus more on that at this time. Sure. So, um, hopefully we're back in your ear holes sooner rather than later. But um, it's fitting that we started this episode with poop talk. Because we started the first episode with poop talk as well. That's true. But then I was also thinking Mothman is a great way to have a 
either, you know, in an ex- the end of season one, we may want to call it. Yes. Um, because it, it did encompass so many other things we've talked about, like Injured Cold, uh, Fourth Dimension. All of the good stuff about a little spooky. Yeah. So hopefully we're back at you soon. But in the meantime, stay spooky, friends. Yeah. And continue supporting the other shows on Nerd Sloth. Yes, we'll still be around um, to answer questions. You can still send us emails. You can still DM us. Yeah, and I obviously, like I said, support the shows on Nerd Sloth, so check out Saturday Morning Cartoon Boom if you never have, and we'll hope to be back soon. Yeah. Anyways, until then, we love you. Bye. We love you. Bye. Presented by NerdSloth, a place for lazy nerds. If you like what you heard, consider donating at patreon.com slash nerdsloth so we can continue bringing you quality shows. Be sure to also leave us a review and share your favorite episodes and clips on social media. If you're looking for more content, visit us at nerdsloth.com.